Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your number one growing Big Ten football-specific podcast. I am your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek. And this is Big Kurt here. And uh, we are a day late. Uh, we were a day late uh, last week. That was my fault. Uh, Big Kurt, you want to uh, explain why we're a day late today? Yeah, this one's my fault. I did end up going to the the making my yearly pilgrimage to Green Bay, Wisconsin, to watch the greatest sports franchise in the world play. Yikes. Yikes. Uh, met my dad there. Watched the back the Packers uh, get another victory and and a shutout at that. And had planned on coming home and recording last night. But just couldn't pull it off. When Baker told me last week after we recorded uh, that podcast, he said, "Yeah, so uh, I'm going to the Packer game on Sunday." <laughs> and I said, "Okay, when do we plan on recording?" And you're like, "Oh, oh, Sunday yeah, night for yeah, sure." I'll just, I'll, I'm like, "You're going to drive all the way back from?" Oh uh, yeah, I'll, I could. I'll make it. I'll be back at like eight thirty. We'll still record. And then I called and said, "Can we do this tomorrow?" Yeah. What do they say? Uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah, I, I had good that's, intentions that's what, there. That's a proper way to, to use that expression, maybe. I think I so. Know. All right, so might be a little bit quicker podcast this week, uh, a little bit uh, short on time. We want to get this out to you as uh, to you guys this week early, and then um, the other side of it, too, is we just don't have quite as many games to talk about, but I think we have a lot to you know to go through with those games. And but, a huge uh, game. Yeah, but before we get to that, we got, uh, we got the weekly Eisman. Yeah, let's go through our Eisman candidates this week. This one's getting very familiar. Penn State quarterback Trace McSorley threw for, or I'm sorry, had 461 total yards, which is a school record. 16 to 32 passing for 286 yards, two touchdowns. Also ran 25 times for 175, which is a personal record for him. Next, we have Ohio State quarterback Dwayne Haskins, 22 of 39 for 270 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception in that victorious effort. At State College. Next, Michigan running back Karan Higdon ran 30 times for 115 yards and two big touchdowns. Finally, another one that's very familiar to us here Purdue University quarterback David Blau, 25 of 42 for 328 and one touchdown, also ran for 38 yards and a touchdown. So, as I've said in the past, I typically go with somebody that's in a big game. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I guess I haven't specified is it doesn't necessarily have to be in a winning effort in this I, case. I am in favor of that. You yeah. don't have to win the game to be the best player in the field. And, and, and let's go over the definition of the Eisman Trophy winner. It's the most outstanding player in the Big Ten for 2018. And I think the most winning. outstanding player in uh, the Penn State-Ohio State game or in the Big Ten this mm-hmm. week was Trace McSorley. I totally agree with you. Sorry. I was going to go I Trace as well. You'd have, um, no, and we'll was... talk more about it when we get to the game. Not to take anything away from Dwayne Haskins, but sure. I think it was uh, – well, we'll get we'll get more into yeah, that. Yeah, let's we, not we, get we, in we'll, we'll too much into it. We'll go ahead and save that. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, so uh, that'll get us into uh, the games. Uh, first up, well, can we stop just for a second here? Yeah. I, I did want to do a little bit of let's not call it housekeeping, but wanted to mention something. I don't. Did you see over the weekend a Tennessee State player got severely injured? Yes, yes, I okay. Did. I saw that on Twitter. Didn't read it. Didn't see the name. I saw it again. Didn't read it. And then it was brought to my attention that was Christian Abercrombie, former Illini, player. former Illini. He transferred in the off season from Illinois to Tennessee State. Took a severe blow to the head and he's currently in critical condition yep. so our best thoughts out to him and his family and since uh we're on 
that unfortunate topic too. There's another one I want to throw out is uh, to Tyler Trent. Um, he's a guy I got to know on Twitter uh, mm. this past spring and summer as uh, Big Kurt and I were branching out and making new friends on Twitter to try to get more and more info on teams to get to know to know the teams kind of behind the scenes. One of the persons people that uh, did get back to me is Tyler Trent. Um, as it turns out, he 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 has cancer, oh. and uh, we knew that. I knew that ahead of time. He's well, I, been battling it okay. for a while. Um, something really really cool. Uh, speaking of David Blau, after mm-hmm. the game, they flew all the way back to to West Lafayette and went right to the hospital that Tyler Trent's at and took him the game ball. So no kidding. Yeah, I just want to give a shout out to to David Blau and all the all the teammates that went there, and then a shout out to Tyler Trent too. And, and hope he's able to get better. Yeah, best of luck, buddy. All right, so that'll move us on to the football games. First game up is, uh, and again, we're going to kind of go chronological order with uh, the way we broke down the games uh, in the last podcast. So first up, Michigan State 31, Central Michigan 20. Total yards, maybe not quite as big of a gap as you think. Michigan State had 345 yards to Michigan State, or excuse me, as uh, Central Michigan's 245 yards. So we know the final score is 31 to 20, but entering the fourth quarter, this game was was 31 to three. Yeah, uh, which by the way was right on <laughs> the 28-point line yes. for, for if somebody took or took Central Michigan in the points or not or, or took Michigan State for that matter. As it turns out, it was a quote-unquote uh, easy cover for, mm-hmm. for Central Michigan since they came back and scored 17 points in the, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and let's also point out that not only was Michigan State up by quite a bit, but they they were down three nothing at the end of the first quarter. So they had kind of a you know crappy start, maybe a crappy ending to this game. Maybe they were just kind of packing it in by the end. But in between there, they were pretty dominant. Yeah. Um, in fact, at the end of the first half, Michigan State had given up five yards rushing. I don't know if you noticed that, and they gave up a total of sixty three for the game, which. By the way, ends their five-game streak of giving up less than 50 yards 50 rushing. Yards, which is insane. <laughs> totally insane and, and kind of crazy that it happened against uh, Central Michigan. But I think a lot of those those yards were also fourth-quarter yards. They were just totally garbage time. Yeah, I had two things to point out as far as the, uh, the rushing yardage total in this game. So, number one, obviously, yeah, 63 yards. For Central Michigan, just another dominating performance by Michigan State's defense against the run. Um, a decent day at the park for Michigan State. They had 160 yards rushing themselves, as yep. we've talked in the past. But only 3.4 average. Yeah, yeah, you stole my, you no, stole my sorry, thunder. Yep. But they, it took 47 carries to mm-hmm. get there. It doesn't, yeah. That doesn't actually bode well for Michigan State trying to right. get the running game off, off and running. And we've been talking about this basically all year. Is we They're just not getting it done on the ground. I mean, they're not getting it done on offense in general, not very explosive, yeah. but this is not the the ground attack we were typically used to seeing from Michigan State. Uh, now, L.J. Scott did not play. I know you're not a huge fan, but he is, you know, a veteran keeps, running back. You keep saying that. I'm I'm not an anti L.J. Scott guy. You just, but you don't. I, like I him expect that, that I much. expect a level play, and he's been uh-huh. at a B level. I don't think he's a bad okay. running back. I don't, yeah, but also, let's point out, uh, numbers two, three, and four wide receivers were out for Michigan State in this game. So they were they were playing down 
for this whole game. But, you know, going into the season, I personally felt like Michigan State was the second-best team in the East. And they're not looking like it right now. Now, D'Antonio's teams typically get better, but I'm I'm very skeptical that they're going to finish second in the East at this point. I'd probably pick them fourth at this point. Yeah. Um, Maybe even fifth. And I don't know how it all fits together. I mean, I watched a, a, a good chunk of this game. Um, the best way I can describe Brian Lewerke's play right now is mm-hmm. sketchy. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not what – you know, you would expect from Brian Lewerke right. when he had it going last year, and I thought maybe he would take a big step up this year even more. 16 to 25, 185 yards, no touchdowns, one pick. The pick was yeah. was a bad one. It was in the end zone. I mean, it took it took points off the board. That's right. Um, there's just something off with Michigan State's offense. It's not their defense. Mm-hmm. Their defense oh, no. is just fine. They uh, they you can't run the ball on them. They do they yep. do pretty good job uh, turning turning you over. But something's got to get figured out offensively for them. Absolutely, I'm not sure what it's going to be because they're just not. They got to figure it out on the ground, I think, first. First to open up the passing game. But I think this just may be one of those seasons where they just never quite get it together. We'll see offensively, or it's one of those seasons where they build and build, and then all of a sudden they're surprised as, in the Big Ten, like as we're used do. to seeing <laughs> D'Antonio teams doing, kind of like Fitzgerald teams, right. where they just keep getting better, which is frustrating. For, for some of us here. For sure. So that moves uh, Michigan State to 3-1, uh, and one, uh, uh, and they are 1-0 one one, oh yep. in, in the uh, Big Ten. So Correct. Next game up is Indiana 24, Rutgers 17. Total yards, Indiana had 451 to, the, to Rutgers Scarlet Knights, 291. So kind of like the last game, the final score was 24-17. Was to mm-hmm. 17. But entering the fourth quarter, it was 24-7 Indiana. Yep, yep. So I, I thought this was uh, – I wanted to point this out on, on Twitter. Crimson Quarry is a, an IU Twitter feed. I, I, it's a blog. I think they also have maybe a podcast. They called this the Mellencamp Springsteen Bowl. Okay. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. yeah, but Stupid Rutgers gets us again. We just can't win with these guys. We both picked IU to cover here, and they were cruising, right? Right. I figured, okay, they're easily covered. Uh, we, we were finally right on Rutgers, and then they came and bit us in the butt. Now, IU, this is kind of like the Michigan State game. They gave up an opening drive touchdown, and then they just clamped down, and it looked like they were going to run away with it. In the fourth quarter, they let them back in the game. Um, offensively, they were doing great in the first half. I, they had 300 yards in the first half. Totally took their foot off the gas. Right. Like, they had a chance to just step on their throat, and they didn't do it. Correct. This is this was your big throat-stepping opportunity, and you let it get away. They got too conservative. We're running the ball, not running it that well on D. They were just totally selling out. All, they were going all in on the run, and Rutgers finally stepped up and stopped someone. I, I want to give Rutgers credit here. They had a chance to give up. And just pack in the season, right? Yep. You know, it's one thing if you're getting demolished at home against Michigan State, Michigan. This was a team that you thought at the beginning of the year, okay, this is Possible this w. could be a win here. And you're getting your butts kicked, and they did not give up. So that tells me. They're, they are still playing hard. They are still pl- Yeah, absolutely. He yep. was not BSing us. They yep. are still playing hard. But in the end, uh uh, Indiana held the ball for more than 10 minutes longer than Rutgers. Um, mm-hmm. Indiana didn't have one running back that took over the game. They had 
three, four running backs that contributed, you yep. know, uh, uh, with a rushing attack kind of all over the field. And again, Peyton Ramsey is Peyton Ramsey. I swear to God, he has pretty much the same stat line for every game. This one, he was 27 of 40, 288 yards, one touchdown, one pick. He's he's moving the chains and getting wins. He was moving the ball further downfield than we've seen him do up to this point. And, boy, he really spreads it around to the receivers, too. He does does not have a favorite. He doesn't care who he's throwing to. Now, there was (laughs) – I'm pretty plugged into the IU fan base, and, boy, they hate offensive coordinator Mike DeBoard. Okay. And I I don't blame him for the conservative play. I think that's got to be Tom Allen saying, hey, let's just run the ball, grind it out. But they're just pissed overall at his play calling. Like, for instance, he's calling trick plays. When you're when you're beating Rutgers by 17, why didn't you do that against Michigan State? Right. I think they have a valid point there. Um, as far as like calling the run plays again, I don't blame him for that. I think that probably has more to do with with uh, Tom Allen. Um, but let's see what what else do we got in this game? Uh, Rutgers offensively, boy, there was a point I tweeted. Did you see me tweet? Yeah. Somebody needs to explain the term blocking to the Rutgers offense. They looked putrid in the first half. And that's how they've looked all year. I mean, not Indiana's had, you know, a pretty good defense this year, but you're still only putting up two hundred and ninety one yards of total offense at home in a in a game where you really you know, th- this is kind of a circle the wagons type of game and, and you don't even get to three hundred yards of total offense. Right. Yeah. Um but I use defense as tough. I do like their defense. Yeah. I mean the last kind of words on on Indiana. We'll move on. I just feel like I don't know what they're doing. Great. Yeah. I don't think they're doing anything poorly. Mm-hmm. They are basically. I don't know if well rounded is the right term. Yeah, but they're I think just, that's they're appropriate. Yeah, they're they're just, not beating themselves. They're 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 doing the right things to win games. They're pretty much adequate in every department. <laughs> I think that's how my wife would describe it. <laughs> <laughs> now, another thing that my IU friends tell me is IU historically is the worst fourth quarter team in the country, yeah. and they they played Proved like it, it again. Again. Yeah. I think they have something there. So they were able to pull that a win out. Uh, so that get gets the, uh, Indiana Hoosiers to 4-1, and 1-1 one, one and one in the conference. Meanwhile, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights fall to 1-4, 0-2 oh in the conference, and things are not looking promising for them to make a bowl game. All right, moving on to the next game. We got the Purdue Boilermakers versus Nebraska Cornhuskers. Final score, Purdue 42, Nebraska 28. Total offense, good day at the office for Purdue, 516 yards. Still, though, Nebraska 582 Mm -hmm. yards of total offense. Both quarterbacks having, having monster days. I think we could have put... Adrian Martinez up for the for the weekly uh, uh, Eisman. You know, we could have. That might be an oversight yeah. on my part. Well, I'm looking at a stat line here. 23 of 42 for 323, two touchdowns and interception, ran 18 times for 91 yards. Right. Pretty good day. Not bad. I don't control the, the Eisman Nebraska fans, so send your send your mean tweets to, to Big Kurt on that and one. But. Actually, while I'm looking at it, uh, Divine Azigbo. Yeah. 17 for 170, two touchdowns. Yards, two touchdowns. We uh, may have to... Yeah. May have to review the the the, the Eisman candidates well, for this week. Well, I mean, and part of the reason that that maybe it was an oversight is that it's just like anything else. If you're doing big stats on a team that's in this case zero and four, 
you can you can get looked over sometimes. Sure. Stuff like that. Um, yeah, as far as just, you know, kind of digging into this thing a little mm-hmm. bit, okay? 516 yards of total offense for Purdue. That typically that's going to be you're going to lead lead the game in total offense. But, Usually, but Nebraska had more. I mean, right. 582 yards. Right now, if you're breaking down Nebraska, I mean, almost across the board, offense is not the issue. No, it's not, especially right when Martinez now. is healthy. I mean, he looked pretty. Pretty agile out there, and I think he's 100. percent But he looked pretty. He was moving around pretty well. Yeah. This is a different team with him at the helm. Offensively, you're right. That's not the problem. I would say with Adrian Martinez. I mean, I don't think he's been completely healthy since the first half of the first correct first game. Um, but yeah, looked better. I feel like he is a guy that we we all knew about his running ability. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he's even better as a passer than I thought he he was. But I will say this much: when he does look good throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. It's when he's on schedule, and typically the, on schedule that means like, I don't know, second five play action. I'm just talking like when the offense is humming, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. If they've gotten a, a first down on on the previous first down, and then sure. you know seven yards on second down, and then they dial up a throw. When he is in rhythm like that, he looks good. But when, it's when he's under duress, when correct, he's in trouble, that's yeah. that's when he doesn't look so good. He he only had one pick in this game. It was a I, bad one. It was a bad pick, and there was there was other plays in the game too where he was lucky, like he just was tossing the ball up as he was going down yeah. to get sacked. And but he stuff did like have that. he dropped that nice touchdown pass in there. That was beautiful, right, right in the corner there. Which at that point, I thought they were probably just going to pack it in and say, "Okay, let's call it a day." And they did not. They they kept fighting here. But this Purdue offense, even though they get Got out gained. This is they're really becoming a juggernaut here. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, defense was optional in this game. I can't figure out what the heck Purdue's doing on defense. You know, they they stop AJ Dillon one week and they give up 582 yards to a team that hasn't won a game the next. Um, but offensively, uh, Nebraska just couldn't keep up with Purdue. I mean, right when the game started, you know, my my buddies and I texting each other like. Should have took the over because <laughs> this yeah. thing just took off right from the start. Um, obviously, we know with Purdue, with Rondale Moore, he he is a, a weapon every single week. And I got to tell you, running back DJ Knox. He's pretty solid, huh? He, he exploded off the screen as well for me for Purdue. Yep. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I think in both cases with this team, it was a little bit of a mirror image where they are both explosive offensively. Yep. They both got issues defensively. Yep. Right now – one of the biggest issues for both teams is again with a mirror Just thing. Just the mistakes, mistakes and yeah. penalties. So Nebraska fans were all upset after the game about penalties. Well, well and, and Nebraska had eleven penalties yep. for one hundred and thirty-six yards. Mm-hmm. Purdue had ten had penalties 10, right. for seventy-five yards. Both are bad, but Nebraska's penalties that they're getting are on third downs when they're almost off the field. Okay, it, it's it. They are, but it's worse than that. They five of those were personal fouls. Correct. It, you know Scott Frost said this is we are the most undisciplined team in the country, and he's right. They are. I mean, if they're not, they're damn close. So that is going to lead me into the next quick part that I want to I want to talk about for what Scott Frost said. So that is not my words. That's not Big Kurt's words. It, it's Scott Frost saying that yeah. about them being you know the, one of the most undis- undisciplined teams in the country. So a couple things to point out. Number one. Go ahead and and look up our friend John Miller from Hawkeye Nation mm-hmm. uh, and Bigger Ten podcast. He he uh, tweeted out the penalties 
that uh, Nebraska have this year is kind of right in line what UCF had in 2017. Oh, is that right? I must have missed that one. Scott Frost has not coached a, a clean, penalty-free team at all. So they were winning all those games last year at UCF didn't kill despite them. the penalties. Yeah, right? that's interesting. Um, the other thing I want to talk about, too, is um, you know the old expression, it's it's not the it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and Joe's. Yeah. Okay. Um, I feel like this is helter skelter all over the map on what what is it that we are Nebraska? Because at the beginning of the year, Nebraska beat writers. I give the fans a pass in all honesty. Okay. They're 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 fanatics, right? That's yeah. That's, it, it's to, your to team, us, right? Okay. You, but the you, national media and and you would think even the the Lincoln media would have a little bit more of a gauging eye. I mean, the but but the whole point I'm trying to make is I read a lot or I, or I heard a lot about how Nebraska has the talent to, to now that they have their coach, to mm-hmm. go ahead and win the Big Ten West or make a lot of noise. Now all I'm hearing is, well, this is a complete rebuild. Yeah. From from it's a, bottom it's a to top, different story than we heard a few weeks ago. So what 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 is it here? Is it is it a complete rebuild or did they have the talent? I, I I it's hard to say they don't have talent if you're just no you know recruiting rankings are everything but if you're going by that they've got the most talent in the West now they've but had then you a watch lot of defections and yeah. they've had a lot of people leave so and you watch them you it doesn't look like the most talented team well it's a loaded question because I have the answer okay, okay. let's hear the answer the the <laughs> answer when teams are looked at in the off season. Mm-hmm. What are the positions? Just give me two or three positions that that most most you're looking at. Well, you're you're definitely looking at quarterback, right? right. Um, I think defensive line is is a big one. Okay. Um, probably running back. Okay. So you, you got two out of three, right? So okay. mostly, I I would say most of the time they look at skilled positions. Obviously, quarterback, running back, wide receiver mm-hmm. is is a lot of what you know looking at returning starters on defense. I just kind of lump it all together. Okay. Their quarterback is as advertised when healthy. For sure, he's good. J.D. Spielman, I mean, their their wide receivers, Morgan, uh, Stanley Morgan, Morgan, are fantastic. Yep, Divina Zigbo is just fine. They're actually fine. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I last week said I don't, I'm not impressed with their running backs. I changed my mind now. They yeah, look no, great. They're, they're they're good. Um, so that is what people were looking at. I guess mm-hmm. what people have the they forgot that you have to be good on the lines as well. Correct. Yeah. And and they are either bad or okay, but play so undisciplined that it kills for sure and here's another thing i want to point out too with iowa not playing this week i mean i dug down deep into a couple of these games this one i looked at a lot okay so back to the you know the jimmies and joes and the Mm -hmm. x's and o's it's both the correct answer is it's both you you need to have both the player and the player running in the right direction in order to win a lot of games well no doubt i mean as an illini fan let's go back to the ron zook era he had the jimmies and the joes and I'm not joking. When his most talented team that he had was in 2009, and they finished three and nine. Right. It, so it matters. It, it, it game coaching plan, absolutely right now, matters. I feel like this coaching staff is getting some sort of weird pass on the X's and O's. Now I will I will say this: Nebraska fans have like factions inside the factions, and there are some Nebraska fans that are just casually pointing out, like, why are we in a nickel set? Yeah. on third and two, and things like this. Mm-hmm. And somehow they get shouted down by the other Nebraska fans, like, how dare you <laughs> talk about Scott Frost? But right Don't now, question I, watched, the demigod. I watched a couple different uh, plays. They had, for example, I think it was third quarter, 
Purdue had like a three by one set, okay? Mm-hmm. On the right side, yep. closest to the screen. Okay. Rondale Moore is in the slot. Mm-hmm. The closest guy to Rondale Moore was a safety that was a, a supposedly supposed to come down off a deep, look like a cover two okay. zone. Or maybe it was man, I don't know. Either that guy had no idea what he was doing, lost track right. of Rondale Moore, but that happened two or three or four times. At some point, that is not going and then and then as soon as I think they made any kind of adjustment, they slit the tight end out the back. Long story short, uh-huh. okay, we gave Jeff Brome a little bit of crap, okay, in mm. the offseason as far as we, we put did. him in the demigod type of yeah. On Saturday afternoon, Jeff Brown took defensive coordinator Eric Chenander of Nebraska behind the woodshed and spanked him. Yeah, he he did. Um, now those are easily fixable things, and you're right, that's all scheme. But part of the problem I had was that's coaching. I'd like to. Point well, that's out. what I, that's what I'm talking about. That's coaching. But I'd also like to point out this is why we said it's not going to be an instant fixer because it takes time to to get stuff. Scheme stuff. Those things you're talking about are easy in-game adjustments, but the scheme overall doesn't happen instantly either. Correct. So, all right, just but, just pat ourselves on the back for being right. So, last couple things, and I mean Purdue. So that that gets them to two and three, one and one. I would think mm-hmm. right now, even with the Eastern Michigan game out there, if you ask Purdue fans what game they'd want to take back most, probably Northwestern. I'm just saying right now, Purdue is the best two and three football team. In the country, yeah, at least offensively. Pro- well, offensively, no doubt. But you don't know what's going to show up on defense any given week. Right. Now, one thing that I kind of, I don't know, I guess I kind of took some sick enjoyment from it was the frustration of the NU fans in this game. That, that like, 10-minute boo fest that they had, they were booing the one bad call. It was a bad call. But then there was another call that was just a – you know, it was a penalty, so they bore, they start boring more. Then Frost gets angry at the refs, and then it just it Ignites escalated him. everything. It seemed like they were booing for ten straight minutes at one point in this game. Um, so NU now program record eight straight losses. Now that does say something about their history. If eight in a row is the most they've ever had, that's impressive. pretty impressive. Yep. It's the second longest losing streak in the FBS right now, and. 1945 is how far you'd have to go back to find a worse start from them. They started 0-5 that year. And they have given up at least 42 points to five straight Big Ten opponents. Wisconsin on on deck. That moves Nebraska to 0-4 overall, 0-2 in the Big Ten. All right, on to what turned out to be a pretty darn good game. Michigan 20, Northwestern 17. Total yards, Michigan 376 to Northwestern's 202. So before the uh, game, we said, are we going to get Michigan? Are we mm-hmm. going to get Michigan? Well, this we got Michigan. But did a lot of that have to do with NU's game plan, at least offensively, coming out of the gate? I mean, incredible game plan. They were just moving the ball on this great Michigan defense. And then conversely, Michigan was kind of shooting themselves in the foot on offense. Yeah, I one thing that you always got to watch out for. Uh, shame on me! I've only watched seven million, you know, hours of college mm-hmm. football and followed it. You always got to watch out for that team coming off a bye. I would say even more so if that team is coming off a bye and had played poorly going into it, mm. because typically you see you see differences in the team, and 
the other team, in this case Michigan, doesn't know what they're looking at at first, and there's a, a period of adjustment. Pat Fitzgerald has been winning a lot of games for a long time. I think a, a couple wrinkles got thrown in in that bye week. Oh, for sure. Like I said, they they were just they were moving the ball, but then Michigan adjusted. Now uh, Northwestern had 202 total yards, right? Not a great offensive showing all overall. 97 of those were in the last three quarters. Correct. So they did not do much once Michigan kind of adjusted and figured out what was going on. So not only did Northwestern only have 97 yards of total offense the last three quarters, they have now only uh, they have now been shut out three of the last four games this year. Okay. In the second half, they've been shut out three of them. In three of the four? In three the of the second four half. games, they've been shut out in the wow, second half. Wow, I didn't realize that. I don't know. How many games? If that stat uh, uh, continues on for the rest of the year, which obviously it's not. Anyway, long story short, you can't do that and win a lot of games. I think the expression there is, ouch, babe. Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to say, I, this is probably going to be a cold take here. I really like the venue of Ryan Field. Is that, what do you think of it? Um, I think a lot of people get down of it because it's a smaller stadium. But, you, you know, you got the. It's cozy? Yeah, there you go. That's a good is that, word. Is that how you want your stadium being being explained? Or? I don't think it's a bad thing. Okay. And I like that it's art or natural turf, right? And I like that they let it grow to nine inches or whatever. Slow everything down. <laughs> to slow everything down. I like the purple sidelines. It's yeah. just a nice looking venue on TV. Oh, it's aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. that's what I'm saying. Um, yeah, so we already talked about Karan Higdon. Another good day for him, 115 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Shea Patterson and Clayton Thorson, they basically had identical stats. They were basically right at 60% completion, a little under 200 yards. Neither one threw a touchdown. Neither one of them threw mm. a pick. Uh, when I was kind of breaking this game down in my head, I just, you know, you, as far as the Michigan offense, okay, you can sometimes, the, the expression is a, a square peg in a round hole. Yep. Right now, I don't think Michigan's offense is a square peg in a round hole. I think it's an octagon-shaped okay. peg in a round hole. So they just can needs get to be rounded there. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah, needs to okay. be sanded like- off. Right now, they can get it in there. they got to, like, pound it in. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. You know, I thought they were getting things together, uh, but it doesn't look like it. Now, Northwestern, I thought, was going to get torched through the air in this game. I thought this was going to be kind of a coming-out party for Shea Patterson. That didn't happen. So great job to NU's defensive backfield. Um and, and another thing, too, North, I still have my reservations about Northwestern's offense as far as just – Oh, that. I've got but, many reservations. a lot of what I saw for what their defense should be, it's mm-hmm. still intact. It's, yeah, it's, it's not bad. Uh, let's go back to the offense, though. 28 yards rushing, 0.8 per yard average. And I think – are they the, the – they have the least yards – Number 128 in the country, I believe, yards per rush on the year. I thought I saw that stat today, wow. which is not good. Especially when you and and you're you're losing running backs, not not gaining. Well, money. so then let's talk about John Moten a little bit. We didn't mention him last week. Prior to this game, he had only 21 yards on the year. He had 36 in this game on 13 rushes, but he did have a touchdown. But just a the the NU offense continues to be ugly, with the exception of the first quarter where they looked very good. And then to switch it off to Michigan, I I still think there's there's something there. I still think I do they, too. That I I am a little bit concerned by just their lack of big plays on the outside. I know they lost mm-hmm. Tyreek Black at the beginning of the year. You, yeah, they need to start building some sort of other 
big play options. But right now, I think Shea Patterson should get a little bit of credit in the fact that he's manufacturing plays that I think a lot of times aren't there. Well, I agree, and there were so many plays that he manufactured in this game that got brought back because of penalties, penalties. and he was getting really frustrated. Yep. Like. Showing it a holding l- on number twenty-two, the running back. It's honestly got to w- be the biggest phantom penalty I've ever seen and ever watched. I can't football. remember a worse penalty that I've ever I have, seen. I have absolutely no idea what you could even be thinking. I mean, except every targeting call that's ever been made. But you <laughs> remove those. That's the worst call I can remember seeing on a football field. All right. So. I mean, he got he got tackled without the ball, and, and he, he got, got the penalty. It was, it was a, thing unbelievable. All right, so. Half the game was about what we expected. The other half wasn't. But in the end, Michigan comes all the way back from 17 points down to win 20-17, to 17, which drops Northwestern to 1-3 overall, 1-1 one one in the Big Ten, moves Michigan to 4-1 overall, 2-0 in the Big Ten, and they move up to – or they move actually down in a win to rank number 15. All right, so that gets us to not only was it the Big Ten game of the week mm-hmm. last week when we broke it down, it wound up being the Big Ten – game of the week on the post uh, podcast here too. Ohio State 27, Penn State Nittany Lions 26. Total offense, Ohio State at 389 to Penn State's 492, <laughs> so just over 100 yards more total offense for Penn State. So this is another note I wrote down. I mean, when we broke down this game, mm-hmm. you, you look at the offense, you look at the defense, you, you, you go through it. Maybe sometimes Again, as a uh, seasoned college football uh, uh, prognosticator mm-hmm. like me and you are, maybe we need to just throw it out the window and say, it's Penn State, Ohio State, right. it's going to be a good game. And it's Penn State <laughs> at home in the wideout. And yep. i got to say, I'm not the biggest Penn State fan in the world. That was impressive to see oh, on TV. Look, that that wideout is You could incredible. feel the energy coming through the TV screen. You absolutely could. Uh, largest crowd in Beaver State or Beaver Stadium history, yep. which that always – I'm sure they're fudging those numbers, aren't they? How can it be like every couple yeah, years you set? Yeah, I mean, maybe they just fit in a couple, you know, four more dudes is all you need every time, and, and then the, the record crowd is back. Okay, so do you put up a folding chair here and there? Like, how do they, stand, where do they stand, put these people? Standing room only stuff. Do yeah. they do that? I, I, I mean, I, I don't know every square inch of, of Beaver Stadium, but, you know. But always, the, okay, out of 110,000 people, there's got to be at least a couple hundred. Just can't make it. Right, but you, say, but you could say that about every single venue every time there's a record that's set. I know. So what I'm is saying it, is, so we're, this th- is this is the direction we're going down with breaking down this game. This is where. You well, yeah, go we've got to resolve this first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's say these couple hundred people don't show up. I think what they're doing is they're just kind of padding it and saying, "Oh, we've we've got a little buffer zone here to work with." So every couple of years, we'll say we set the sure, record. That's it. There I just don't really believe just, any of these attendance records. All right. Um, anyways, uh, so this game was 26. To 14 Penn State going into the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say Penn State, quote unquote, dominated the game up to that point, but they were the better team at well, that point. They, Obviously, which you could say because they were up by, by two scores in the fourth quarter. Trace McSorley was borderline unstoppable. He probably had the game of his life. I mean, school record, total yards, right? 175 yards rushing. rushing. I mean, it just seemed like. He could have told Ohio State, listen, 
I'm going to look for my first and second receiver. If they're not there, I'm just going to go ahead and scramble out. Right. And Ohio State still couldn't do anything about it. And Penn State, I got to say, they kind of shocked me with how well they played on defense in this game. Blew my mind. I, we, how? I know it's college football. Yeah. I get it. How do you get borderline housed defensively by Illinois' rushing attack? Okay, I was I was going to bring that up. I'm glad and, you and, did. And, and completely shut down, almost completely shut down Ohio State's rushing attack. One I know week it. Later. It's all I could think of the whole game as Ohio State could not get it going on the ground. I'm thinking Illinois ran for 245 on these guys. I think what is happening? Here? I think everybody that that like me gambled on Ohio State to cover the three and a half was wondering that the whole friggin' game. Okay, so. The, the turning point of this game. So, I'm, as I'm watching this, I'm at a bar in Wausau, Wisconsin. Okay. Yep. I I I kind of became the most popular person in this bar because as I watch games, I have my notebook and I just jot down notes. I didn't realize it. Everyone's looking at me because I'm just watching. Well, first of all, I had to get them to turn the game on because everyone's. It was all Brewers everywhere. Every TV had Brewers, yeah, so I had to get them to turn. So they did, and then people start saying, "Hey, what you doing there?" And I'm like, well, I'm just writing notes. Why are you writing notes? Well, I'm, you know, I didn't want to get into the pot. I just wanted to watch the game. I, I'm just a big fan. I like, you know, I want to make sure I don't forget stuff. What, are you a scout? No, I'm not a scout. And so then finally I just, okay, I have a podcast, okay? And then, then I had to explain what a podcast is. What, is that like a radio hey, thing or something? Hey, Wisconsin people in a bar are some of the friendliest, most talkative people oh, you'll ever you'll ever run into. Everyone I met was great, but I got to say, I didn't get to watch the game as much as I wanted to because they were just all over me the whole game. Anyway, my point I'm trying to get to is that fumble at the end of the first half that, that Ohio State caused – when that happened, I said to the guy on my left, I go, see, now if they score here, this is the game. Ohio State's going to win this game. And he looked at me like I was crazy. They put the ball immediately in the end zone. I said, game over. Ohio State's going to win. He thought I was crazy, and he didn't get to stay till the end of the game. I wish he had. So I could have told him, see, that was the difference. That's how it works out. I uh, I, I was uh, at a listener of ours, uh, uh, bachelor party, the Danimal. And I very rudely parked myself on one spot in in the room, watched sure. this entire game. Of course. Um, had a great time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, basically, I, I, I don't want to say Dwayne Haskins was rattled. I think that's kind of a I don't a think gr- he was rattled. He just was – they were off. just playing great. That's, they were taking everything away. That's He had what nothing to do. You. Thank you. It was – I felt like there was too much of the – the rattle because I don't know if you no. saw the beef between Dwayne Haskins and the Penn State. Yeah, I thought defender. that was great. I did, yeah, it was great. I mean, that's yeah. how rivalry and stuff's supposed sure. to go. I don't think he got rattled again. No, Penn State just played great. the 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 windows that he had to throw into were tight. Yep. Kudos to to Penn State defense for locking down, but also kudos to Ryan Day, who's yep. saying, "Okay, what do we got in the toolbox?" Yep, that was the screen game. They got their athletes in 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 space. And, I mean, that was the difference in the game. Well, and kudos to Haskins for not getting rattled and for, you know, not getting frustrated and just sticking to the game plan and eventually opened up and things started working, right? He threw one pick, but it was off his receiver's hands. Yep. I'm just saying, exactly, yeah, he, he he hung in there. And then when the screen passes were there, you still got to make those passes. And, boy, yep. did, did some athletes. That K.J. Thing. Hill catch. Oh, man, Insane. that one-handed one. Insane. So here's another little interaction I had. So as as I'm starting to talk to these Wisconsin people, 
And they were kind of annoying at first because I just wanted to watch the game. The one guy's like, well, what kind of stuff do you talk about? And right as he said that. I hope you pass out some info for the for the podcast. These were not exactly podcast demographic people. <laughs> um, but I talked more, about it. More, yes. more Hunter Fisher demographics. <laughs> yes. Anyway, a- as he asked, what do you talk about? Uh, K.J. Hamler catches that slant right over the middle and goes 93 for the touchdown. I go, okay. So, for instance, that guy's name is K.J. Hamler, and he's a freshman. And one of our first podcasts, I said, by the end of the year, everyone's going to know that guy's name. He goes, what, you said that on the podcast? I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, you got to remind everyone that you said that. So now you are. So now I am. You came up with a very <laughs> unique way to remind everybody how, how intelligent you are. I'm very <laughs> impressed by that. Yeah, so, I mean, in the end, this is – maybe I'm, I've got a weird view on this stuff, but – okay, Penn State lost the game. Duh, we know mm-hmm. that. Do you think less of Penn State now after this No, game? I think I mean, more of Penn State I, now. You know, I mean, it's like they, they actually barely dropped down to kind of go through the, the rank uh, records. Drops Penn State to 4-1, and 1-1 one, one and one in the Big Ten. They're still number 11 in the country mm-hmm. as far as, you know, the rankings we have to work with now. Ohio State, 5-0, and 2-0 and in the Big Ten. They move up to number three. I feel like Penn State is still one of the top teams – in the country. Yeah. Yes, they lost the game. Yes, it was at home. Yes, I understand that great teams close out games like that, but I I don't know. There's not much I can point to other than the last play call of the game well, yeah. to really put anything at, at the hands of a coach or, or player for Penn State. And obviously not on the players. That's all on the coach. I don't know how much we really want to talk about. Definitely not the play to call in that moment. I, right? I I mean, I just was texting it to my buddies, and I'm like, I don't know about you guys, but that seemed like just an awful play call. Twitter, of course, went went nuts. Yeah. Did you see a fan went nuts? Well, on, actually, on James Franklin was he was walking, and James Franklin kind of. But could you hear what they were saying? The ki- the kid was just like, "It's a bad play call, coach. Bad. That's bad." Okay, and- because I was listening to Bill King's show today, WNSR Radio out of Nashville, and this guy called in, and you know who knows if he's being honest or not, but he said he was right in that area when that happened. And he said, mostly the guy was being complimentary. He was, basically, he, was. he, he said, was. bad call. We still love you. And stuff, stuff like that. And, and that it wasn't really a confrontation. It wasn't a confrontation because James Franklin had some, his bodyguard or something, grab him and get him in the, in the tunnel. Yeah. But I guess basically this guy's message was it wasn't what it came off as okay. on Twitter. Okay. That it wasn't a, a thing Shocking. at all. Something that wasn't that big a deal in right. real life has made a big deal on Twitter. Yeah. But I mean, right now, um, it's funny because I think uh, um, Penn State feels a lot like Iowa does after Iowa lost to Wisconsin. You're now looking yeah. up in the division to the yeah. team that you feel like you're almost as good as, but you couldn't pull it off at home, and now you got to hope for two losses, two losses out of right. Ohio State. And it's, I mean, so Ohio State's got a game-and-a-half lead yeah, over Penn right. State as it, as it turns out. So now, how do you – what's your feeling of Ohio State now versus before the game? I Maybe a mini step back. I think a little step back for me. I, I mean, I have been raising questions on their well, they, overall defensive prowess – Yep. Yeah, at, since the beginning of the year. Because they, they're still giving up big plays. And I've, Yeah, they're still giving up big plays. Obviously, losing Nick Bosa going into this game does, yep. does not help anything. I think they're going to get dinged again at some point here. Because so? it, what it's going to take is two things. Somebody doing what, you know, 
getting points on them on their defense because it, it's there to be had, mm-hmm. and getting to Haskins. That is yeah. the key, that's the key to be. It looks like Ohio it, right? State. It's easier said than done. Don't get sure. me wrong, but but yeah, they don't look impenetrable. And just really quick, because then we got to go. But I just feel like turning it nationally right now at the end of the podcast. But I feel like anytime there's any kind of rankings being done. Just start with Alabama. Like they're in their own yeah, category correct. right now, off of of the charts that I've even ever. And made. I don't even care that they haven't played anybody great yet. And it's they haven't. Just, no, they haven't. But what they're doing to the mediocre competition. <sighs> if Tua Tagovailoa stays healthy mm-hmm. the rest of the year, and I would never, you know, wish injury on anybody. They're, nobody's going to touch Alabama. I just can't. I don't think it. so either. But after that, okay, Clemson looked ugh. meh. Georgia has looked eh, Meh. for two weeks. So yep. Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, Penn State, mm-hmm. Michigan, mm-hmm. Notre Dame, LSU, Oklahoma, LSU, Washington, yep. uh, Auburn. Okay. I could even maybe put Oregon in there. Yeah. Notice, by the way, I have not ranked another ACC team. There's only no. one ACC team Correct. to throw in there. All of those teams right now that we just ranked, that's probably seven, eight, nine teams. Yeah. You could just put a gigantic ring around those teams. I have absolutely no idea who's better out of all those teams. Although I have a hunch that Ohio State's a little better than the rest of them. I would have a hunch that Oklahoma's a little bit better. Mm. Than the Speaking rest of, them, of Oklahoma, but... holy freaking crap, Kyler Murray. He's amazing. I'm not sure I remember a better stat line than this. 17-21 passing for 432 Six touchdowns, no interceptions. Insane. Oh, and by the way, he ran for a touchdown, too. He's incredible. Unbelievable. So, who was it? I was listening. Oh, Tom Luganbill. He he made a funny comparison. He says, he looks like a bobblehead out there. Yeah. Because he's so small. He's got yeah. the big helmet. Big helmet. Yeah. Look- <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't say bobblehead. It's like watching game film of yourself from your seventh grade football season. Yeah. Where it's just helmets right. running around. Kind of so. like that. But I, I had to point that out because I just, I don't remember ever seeing a better quarterback stat line than that well we will dig into that and other things a little bit more on our wednesday or thursday release podcast i gotta kind of get going here you got anything else well let's not get into kelly bryant let's just say shame on you i did want to point out south carolina is now two and two so their fan base is going to allow zero more losses by the way they're guaranteed yeah they're guaranteed by the way they still got texas a&m clemson and mizzou on the on the schedule so good luck so hard on twitter to find the guy that was talking oh that would have been great i I cannot find it no i don't know how you do intelligent searches on no but i have not not figured not happening all right uh for the eyes on big podcast i am jeffrey the greek and this is big kurt here should we give our twitter handles i'm i'm uh at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Alrighty. All right. We'll see you in a couple days. Thanks a lot. Bye.